I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's an investor and publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is our weekly therapy session we call Investing in Bizarro World, where we talk about markets, what we're investing in, and all of the crazy stuff going on all around us. This week, we're going to talk about Jerome. Jerome, Jerome, Jerome. Jerome has spoken once again, and oh, did he speak? We'll talk about the effect that had on the US dollar. We'll talk about the most inverted yield curve in 42 years, what that means and why that's important. We'll also talk oil, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Quebec, a big lithium win for Nick, Capitol Police, Elon, a lot to get to. Let's get to it. This is episode 193 of our therapy session that we call Bizarro World, Investing in Bizarro World. Mr. Nick Hodge, how are you? I'm doing well, Gerardo. It's good to be back again um, this week without a mask. How are you? Um, we all wear masks, Nick. I mean, sometimes <laughs> we wear a literal mask, sometimes we don't, but you know, deep down, we all wear a little bit of a mask. No, I am well. How was Halloween for you and the family? I saw your wonderful outfit, your beautiful family. You all looked incredible. You were particularly dashing. Oh, thank you. I was the bearded lady. We had a circus <laughs> theme going on. My wife was the uh, ringmaster, which isn't too much of a deviation from the truth. And then uh, our three kids were, you know, traditional circus things, tigers and elefantes and uh, clowns. How about you? I and lots of candy. It's <laughs> too much candy to even steal from the kids. It's, we're going to have to lose like a dentist around here that I think you can trade it in for cash. I think we might do some of that. That's hilarious. <laughs> no, it was a phenomenal weekend. It coincided with my birthday weekend. So, you know, Halloween debauchery all weekend long. It was fantastic. The kids had a great time and uh, it was great. Wife had a great time. We enjoyed the whole, all the festivities and the whole weekend. It was great. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully a year wiser. Mm, we'll see. Let's get into it. Jerome spoke and uh, then he misspoke. And now everybody's trying to figure out what Jerome said. Um, I'll give you my quick two cents. I think he meant to sound a little hawkish. Um, and then it came off as dovish. And then I think somebody whispered in his ear, hey, you're coming off as a little dovish. Everything's rallying. And he said, what? And he's like, I'll show them at my press conference. And then he overdid it a little bit, right? And um, that's that's my very uh, educated technical take on the speech. I mean, it's as, it's as educated as my take is. Um, I'm not a huge, huge Fed watcher. I mean, I obviously stay in tune with um, the rates and, uh, you know, what the market is pricing in. But, you know, he's got wings. I don't know if they're hawkish or, or, or dovish. I'm not sure. So um, there is no pivot, which uh, I told you there was not going to be. You know, it wasn't uh, half a percent. It was what the market was pricing in still. Uh, a three quarter percent rise, 75 basis points. Um, as you say, um, the market did one of these, which it's done before, um, you know, everything was <laughs> up and then, and then everything was down for the reasons that you say, you know, um, uh, the press release turned markets around, um, you know, uh, I think there's going to be more rate hikes. And so this is sort of what I wanted to, to say, um, not get off my chest, but, you know, continue to say that it's not a pivot, like. Um, you know, even no, if he go, goes, go ahead, Nick, go, go it, get the dirt it, off your shoulder. Right? Yeah, even, that even, one. yeah. Even if he goes to, to half a percentage point, you know, in December and then again in early 2023, 20, you know, the Fed is still raising the interest rate. Right. 
um, whether it's by uh, three quarters of a, of a point or, or a half a point, like the trajectory is still and the market is still pricing in, you know, the forward curve is, is still expecting, you know, a 5% interest rates on, on the short end. And so um, you're going to have to deal with that still for a little bit longer. And um, you still have very strong employment. So I think the Fed thinks that it can continue to hike. You know, we'll get a jobs number that'll be out before this podcast is um, early next week. And we'll see what that, um, you know, uh, jobs number looks like. If, 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 if it starts to look a little negative where, where the jobs have been looking positive, the market might take that as dovish because they're going to say, oh, look, the, the jobs market is eroding or deteriorating. And that's going to make him, um, you know, be more dovish in, in the next couple of meetings. But um, you mentioned the, the inverted yield curve. You know, the, the two-year yield is like 5% sure, <laughs> by aggregates, right? Um, you, you know, know it, the baby. <laughs> the inversion is almost a full percent. And so you do still have um, a recession to work through. Now, um, all of that said, um, you know, time is just elapsing, right? I see investors getting less bearish and um, I see sentiment starting to improve. But I want to re- I want to reiterate that it's not because the Fed is going, you know, dovish. It's just because time is elapsing. The Fed has raised rates like they said they were going to raise rates. Um, it's just a, a, a time lapse thing. And so... Um, here we are in the in the first week of November, and um, there might be some things to buy here headed into the end of the year, not only in the resource space, which is exceedingly cheap, especially on the gold side. You know, you had bad earnings out of Newmont, which uh, put another leg down. You know, you can lock in a yield on Newmont that's over five and a half percent. I found myself um, entering bids for, um, you know, gold ETFs this week, the miners. And so... Um, in the same on the uranium front, and, and I know I'm spanning a lot of topics here now, but um, all that to say that um, you know the, the Fed is is still is still hawkish. I'd say, and the market pays perhaps a bit too much attention to it. Listen, we were in New Orleans. Um, what's now uh, over three weeks ago, I think, and uh, we 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 told everyone then. You know, you specifically said the Fed could be hawkish for another four to six months, you know, and, and, and a part of my presentation, our presentation, my portion of it really spoke on how long are you willing to just wait for the Fed to pivot before you feel confident enough as an investor or speculator to allocate capital? And again, it's beyond me, right? I, I, I just, uh, we just published the newest issue of Junior Resource Monthly, which is one of my paid subscription services. And I, I, I keep pounding the table on uranium and lithium. And it's just beyond me when you have sectors that have such bullish fundamentals, um, why you wouldn't allocate capital there as opposed to just waiting until Jerome tells you it's okay again, because it may something may seriously break before it's okay again, right? And in the meantime, you have sectors where you don't carry that macro risk. The lithium trend isn't doing a 360 anytime soon. The uranium fundamentals aren't all of a sudden going to get bearish. That Those are trends that are years, years um, in, in, in the making on, on from a bear, very bearish baseline and now provide you years of bullish runway. So again, there's sectors to invest in. I keep saying the same thing every week. We keep profiting from it every week. You just had a big win um, in, in Quebec with a lithium company. You want to talk about that a bit? And I bring it up only again, not to be braggarts or to you know keep pounding our chest on, 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 on the wins that we've had this year. 
but just to highlight that despite the gloom and doom that everybody's pitching you, there's a lot of money that has been made this year. And, and we've been fortunate enough to capitalize pretty damn well from those trends to offset some of the picks that haven't done the best in the gold space specifically, right? Yeah, um, it's a company that was um, awaiting a, a, a provincial permit. So um, it was a company that had already drilled out their deposit, which takes years, by the way, which is one of the reasons that the lithium bull market is going to last for years, um, had originally financed it back in um, August of, of 2020 or, or summer of 2020 at 30 cents. Um, watched it run all the way up to like a dollar fifty, made some four hundred percent. Sold some, uh, took some off the table, got back in when it fell back down closer to a buck, um, and then it got its its final provincial permit this week from uh, Quebec. So um, it's a it's a it's a deposit that you know has nearly a. a over a one and a half billion dollar net present value, right? And the shares were trading with like a four hundred million dollar market cap. And when you looked at it next to some of these companies that have gotten, um, you know, really big valuations as they as they head closer to production and, and development, like the Sionas and uh, and the Sigmas of the world, um, it had a lot of room to to go up, and and honestly, still does. So um, when you look at it based on those multiples, what they're getting relative to their NPVs, you know, this is a stock that we've already made several hundred percent on. I, you know, it's a larger position for me because of how much I put in the financing and because um, we had warrants that I exercised as well. So um, what do I want to say? Um, it's also got, it's very clean uh, lithium, I guess is what I would say. Very low yes. mica content, very low iron content. Uh, small crystals and and all this is coming from an education an education I got in the past week from the president who I spoke with um, at length about the project who uh, by the way sold his last lithium company for six billion dollars with a B to Albemarle that was a Rockwood lithium and so he's very excited that this comp- that this project is not only going to be producing um, you know five and a half percent spodamine concentrate but six percent technical grade. Um, spot, I mean, with, with high recovery rates, and that fetches a, a premium. So he's convinced this this mine, as it gets built, is only is only going to be one of two or three mines in the world that produce that high-grade uh, technical spodamine concentrate. And um, he would know, right, because one of the last assets he sold was was one of them that he sold yeah. to, to, to Albemarle. And um, he was very coy. You know, I talked to him literally three days before they got the permit. And he says he was telling me, smiling, you know, we're waiting for the permit on an hourly basis. Um, but he was also, you know, pretty happy when I was asking him about, you know, who's at the table because uh, now they got to finance this thing. Right. Like everybody. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the answer. Right. He was even talking about some, you know, ma- major international industrial companies, you know, ceramics and glass manufacturers that I really am not familiar with, like Schott, for example. I had to look mm-hmm. that company up. And so um, anyway, it's very exciting. And, and again, when you look at the comparables, when you when you do the math, which I did in a report that I mailed out today, um, you can see a path for this stock, which is around $2 now, to get to 7 8 9 $15, right, based on you know valuations that other companies are getting. And 
Um, as we mentioned last week, um, exploration upside as well, which he was keen to point out to me. You know, they released some results recently. Um, they've got a very large land package in Quebec, and not just at the project that just got approved, but, you know, 40 kilometers away in the Namaska area. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to give you the name because we're going to be doing some some advertising around it here soon. But uh, the lithium market's not going away. Look, this is a project that they've been plugging away at for years, right? Yeah. I mean, years and years and years. And so um, if you look at all the stats that we frequently cite, you know, Benchmark Minerals saying that we've got to increase the uh, amount of lithium we mine 25x by, uh, I forget, 2040, 2040 or something like that. Or that, mm -hmm. you know, in 2040, we're going to be using as much lithium every month as we mined in all of 2021. Like all yeah. these stats, right? It's like, well, good luck because I've been involved with this project for two years. And, it, you know, it took a year to get a provincial permit. And so it takes time and um, the price is extremely elevated. And so... Uh, thanks for the kudos, I guess. We took a tiny bit off the table, but um, there's a, still a, a lot to go. And we'll see how much, you know, equity they actually have to put up to build this mine. You know, that's sort of the next catalyst, right? I'm pretty sure there was, um, speaking of doves and, and, and hawks, I'm pretty sure there was some uh, birds circling, right, that are going to want to give this company some capital to help them build it, either as part of an offtake or a strategic investment. So we'll see how that shakes out. They might, not, they might not have to dilute too, too much to get this project off the ground. Kudos to you, because I'm sure shareholders want to give you kudos. You financed this in the early, in the low 30s, if I'm not mistaken. It just hit 52-week highs. Um, it's hitting 52-week highs while other companies like Meta are down 70% for the year. Um, it's hitting 52-week highs and looking to finance a project that's got great exploration upside. And, and you mentioned something very interesting. The variety of companies that are approaching companies like this company to help finance these plants and in and, and this mine. And I think I think this particular uh, company and where it's located is going to find offers that are incredibly non-dilutive and accretive. I think that the two companies you mentioned earlier happen to have ASX listings and the ASX crowd really knows how to appreciate these types of lithium deposits. I'm kind of talking my own book because everything this company has is also shared by my top holding, right? Which we've talked about a lot in the past. And so, no, I see nothing, nothing but blue sky potential for, for that company that you're speaking of, which will keep the ticker symbol to ourselves and, and, and Patriot Battery Metals, which is, you know, my top pick and my top holding. And, and, you know, I'm talking my book again, but a lot of money to be made. You've made this in a very volatile market. You got the major indices correct. You've had the energy market correct. Again, that's not to say that everything we pick goes up, but man, we've allocated pretty damn well during a very tough environment. And so if you can deliver new 52-week highs in this kind of market, kudos to you, sir. Well, thank you very much. You've done quite well with Patriot Battery Metals as well. That's a, that's a portfolio maker uh, by itself. Yeah, no, 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 no. And, and, and room to run, right? Room to run. I think, you know, it's still consolidating here with the quiet period while it gets its ASX listing. Um, it, it may be quiet for another two or three weeks. That's an opportunity to accumulate. I may be adding to my personal position. We talked a bit about that off air. Um, let's go back to the overall markets. I talked about Jerome. You mentioned, you know, Jerome and you gave your take. The U.S. dollar last week, we said, you know, near term, it looked like it had been a bit toppy. It did pull back to the 110 range. And then sure enough, as soon as somebody whispered to Jerome that people are taking his speech the wrong way, it's now surging back up and flirting with that 113 area. 
How do you see that playing out? More uh, more capital flight into the U.S. dollar? I mean, it's been by the dip in the U.S. dollar for the, the past nearly year almost, just like it was by the dip in the indices for a long time before that. Yeah, the trend for the dollar is, is still bullish and the trend for rates is still bullish. And um, again, that's what keeps the lid on the metals prices. It's why you can't get silver above 20 bucks. It's why gold was closer to 1600 this week than, than 1700 And uh, no nothing... silver squeeze to the moon, Nick? <laughs> no, and I saw more people calling for it. You know, I saw so it. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> citing depleting stocks on the, on the COMEX. None of this matters. As I said in my presentation in New Orleans, the only thing that matters is the, is the last price, right? Um, and the last price is... Uh, bearish for certainly uh, silver. I mean, it's not in an uptrend. And, um, you know, the dollar's going to remain strong. Other central banks uh, continue to, to cut alongside the, the U.S. Federal Reserve. I know um, you could say that, that Canada blinked or whatever, but, you know, other banks aren't blinking. The, you know, Saudi Arabia hiked uh, three quarters of a, of a point. We're going to talk um, about Saudi Arabia there, later on. There was another country that hiked three quarters of a point and Norway was was hiking. And so, um, no, the dollar is going to, to remain strong until it isn't. And, and I think that's still a, a quarter or, or two away. I want to cite one more lithium fact for everybody. I'm going to go back there really quick. While you mentioned Newmont earnings and how disappointing they were and how you can get, you know, a, a 5% dividend while you wait for the gold sector to turn. And look, you know, when, when the gold price starts surging again, and it will eventually, we're not, you know, gold bears or silver bears. It's just in a bearish trend for now, right? That'll, that'll, that'll rotate over. But while Newmont's struggling to deliver on their bottom line, Albemarle, which you mentioned earlier, right? Lithium giant Albemarle just posted 152 jump in quarterly profits. It's a tale of two markets right now, folks. You have to do some due diligence in this space if you want to make some money. It's beyond me why we have to make money just from gold or just from a silver squeeze or just from cryptos to the moon or Bitcoin to the moon or Dogecoin to the moon. I mean, you can either, like Keith McCullough says, you can pick your favorite narrative and go fall off the ledge with that. Or you can actually look at what's happening and, 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 and you know, put pencil to paper and start looking at numbers and trends and, and, and make money off of those. Um, you pick your poison, everybody. I'd rather make money off of what's actually working than, you know, trying to be right with gold and silver right now. Gold and silver are going to continue in, in, in sideways mode and, and silver maybe has another leg down. We'll see. Um, two things there. Albemarle itself is a dividend aristocrat. Like if you were to Google dividend aristocrat. Oh, aristocrat. I like that word. And, and look at the list of, I think it's 60. <laughs> Don't cancel 60, me, people. I like the word aristocrat. <laughs> 65 companies that have consistently raised their dividend for years and years on end. You know, um, there's the Pepsis of the world and the, the Abbots and the Abbeys and the Johnsons and Johnsons. But Albemarle is on that list. I mean, it's a small dividend. I just pulled it up. It's only, um, you know, 0.59%. But if you're a long-term, you know, safe, stable-minded investor, um, that, that's got earnings growth and it's like 25 bucks away from its high trading in the 270s with a high 52 high uh, 300. And then um, and back to gold for a second. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but, you know, gold will have its time on the backside of this recession. And um, as the Fed, not pivots, because I'm done using that word, but as the Fed comes to the end of its hiking cycle, it's fucking did everything it said it was going to do. There was no pivot. For as once, comes, for once I, gave, I gave Jerome credit where credit is due. He might fuck everything up and implode the whole system, but he did deliver this time. It's the first time in, in 
his history, right? He hasn't bleaked yet. Good for him. So, so as they, as they come to the end of their hiking cycle, uh, gold is going to have its day. I was telling you earlier, I don't know if it was before we started recording or not, I was putting bids in for GDXJ today. I mean, it's yeah. near 52-week lows. That's a time frame thing, you know. Um, you know, that pays a dividend, by the by the way, as well. Like, I'm content to to reinvest that dividend in GDXJ and let that compound for the next year or two and until the gold cycle comes back. It's not that I'm saying... Um, you know, gold is the devil. I'm just saying gold is not going to go up, A, in the short term, and B, it's not going to go up because there's some squeeze or there's some, you know, uh, whatever, conspiracy or, you know, depletion or, you know, we're out of reserves and whatever. Fort Knox is empty. Like, that stuff is not investing. You know what I mean? So, um, anyway, gold will have its day. And I own gold stocks as well, for sure. Oil had itself a pretty decent week on the back of some rumors that um, Iran was potentially um, looking to attack Saudi Arabia. It's interesting to me how much the U.S. continues to cozy up to Saudi Arabia, despite the, let's say, sketchy history between the two nations and things that have actually happened in this country um, to us and to some of our citizens uh, very explicitly. Um coming from that part of the world as it relates to their government, not their people, of course. And so um, interesting to me that they're sharing intelligence on something of that nature. Interesting to me that they chose to publish the fact that they're sharing intelligence. And again, we call this investing in bizarro world. It's not getting any less bizarre. I mean, you had, you know, North Korea firing off missiles. Um, there's increased whispers of China taking Taiwan because why not, right? It's 2022. The bingo card gets getting bigger. Um, any thoughts there? Um, I, I mean, yeah, we'll t- I'll talk because it's a podcast and that's what we do. Um, <laughs> I'm, you know, it, for me, you know, it, the couple of articles I read seem to think that if Iran does do that, it would be, you know, as a distraction from what's going on domestically in that in that country, right? To divert away from the protests and the things that have been going on there. As far as the likelihood of it happening, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not a geopolitical expert. I do know that um, it would drag the U.S. and, and allies into it. I mean, the, at the end of the day, despite all the things they already said about the the Rocky Pass, 9/11, Kashkalki, all that stuff. Um, you know, we, we still need our oil and, 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 and they're still our allies. So, you know, we would go to protect them and and who knows what kind of quagmire that would be, um, in the Middle East, because certainly the Middle East is known for some quagmires. Um, what's interesting uh, and, and challenging, I should say, maybe not interesting is that, you know, oil got to 90 bucks and that's not like, you know, I mean, yes, it went up, um, but it didn't like soar back to a hundred, um, right. certainly not back to the 110 or 115 we were at uh, in spring of, of 2021. That sector is increasingly difficult to to figure out. Uh, yep. Some of the equities are, are, they look a bit toppy to me. I mean, um, I, I sold uh, an energy MLP uh, a week or two ago in, in foundational profits, the monthly letter. I currently don't own, own any mainstream oil stocks. I was looking at a couple this week, but couldn't really pull the trigger. So and the reason for that is, you know, I think we're in a recession and and, I, and I'm not sure how the demand destruction, how the demand is going to shape up for the um, for the oil. We mentioned last week about this, you know, diesel shortage. How we only had 25 days of diesel left. And um, <laughs> I guess that's a, a, a real problem. Um, they, I was reading about it in, in a couple more, you know, 
real newspapers or, or outlets, you know, Reuters and things like that. And that's another reason I think that the, the Fed remains hawkish. They, they, they're trying to destroy um, demand. Obviously, they're trying to slow down inflation and, and the economy. And so uh, I'm not sure how this recession and, and, and higher rates are going to slow down the demand for oil, despite the, you know, the, the political turmoil on the other side. And so for me, it's, it's enough for me just to say, hey, you know what, I don't I don't get this right now. So let me just sit on the sidelines. Um, and I think there's other sectors just on a broad S&P level um, to, to look at. You know, I still own a couple of, of, of consumer staples, which is uh, one of the few um, S&P sectors that has performed alongside energy this year. Not as well as energy, but um, certainly not as bad as, um, you know, discretionaries or, or real <laughs> estate, for example. So I'm content to sit out energy for right now. Um, you know, dollars to donuts. I think oil goes back down around, uh, you know, below 90. And, and this turns out to be a headline that passes. Um, you know, Iran to me is, is I lump it in there with North Korea, right? Like, fuck around and find out. Like, I mean, what do they really got? You know? Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. It's, uh, you know, obviously very, very uh, complicated country. I think half the country definitely, you know, leans towards democracy and leans towards being free. And then, you know, as usual, you have the governments that, you know, <laughs> uh, increasingly lean less and less uh, towards freedom and more and more towards restricting. And, you know, that that can be said of many governments, most governments around the world. Um, we have to talk Elon a little bit because Elon Again, the best uh, the best billionaire troller that I've ever seen, right? There's a couple of other ones that are all right at it. Mark Cuban's all right at it, but he's actually more factual with this stuff. Elon doesn't care. Um, great. Elon wants to charge eight bucks for your little check mark. And um, AOC said, <laughs> laughing my ass off at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people on the idea that free speech is actually an $8 a month subscription plan. <laughs> And Elon responded, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay $8. <laughs> and then some other people started attacking him for something else. And he said, being attacked by both right and left simultaneously is a good sign. And I concur. You're probably doing something right. You can manage to piss off both sides of the major political party spectrum. Any thoughts on Elon and... You know, just you got to give the guy credit where credit is due. Um, somebody, I think it was, uh, who was it? I'm a fan of his. What's his name? The gentleman from the big short. I forget his name. Uh, Michael, 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 Michael. Is it Michael Berry? My, yes, yes, it's Michael Burry. My, yeah. Michael Berry, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he he tweeted um, a, a post and he said, listen, um, you cannot like Elon. You cannot like his past. You cannot like what his parents did. You cannot like Elon for any number of reasons. But you got to give the man credit for being in the arena and playing the game because he gets in the arena and he plays the game and he puts his own money up. And at the end of the day, you got to admire the man that steps in there and is willing to get his ass kicked. I mean, he'll tweet about uh, all sorts of stuff. And so, yeah, I do have thoughts. It's amusing, first of all, to watch <laughs> your political leaders and the richest man in the world get petty on a social media platform. I mean, so I paid dollars for that if I had to. Maybe we'll finally get a blue check. I've actually um, submitted a few times under the previous regime and was always turned down, you know, and I would bet that was a function of, you know, not maybe shadow banning, but definitely some of the things I've tweeted and the positions I've taken over the years, right? I'm not like the blue check crowd. So for those not familiar um, with the blue check system, can you explain? Can you pontificate? Can you? I mean, it's a it's a verification system, essentially, for 
um, you know, to, to make sure that the, the account that you're looking at is actually the, the, the account that you're looking at. It applies to, you know, politicians, people of stature, people in the media definitely love it, right? You get your blue check and um, that means you're somebody, right? You're, 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 you're impotent when uh, uh, you get your blue check, but it's, you know, to help, um, you know, dispel um, bots and, and cloning and, and hack accounts and, uh, all that sort of stuff. And it was free, but you had to go through a process. So, and the the process was increasingly onerous. Like early in the Twitter days, they were just handing it out. And then later you had to submit an application, right? This is the book I wrote, or these are my press credentials. And, um, you know, this is why I should get the check. And, you know, I, honestly, I submitted a few times and, and was never verified. So I guess I wasn't important enough. But now he's saying that anyone that wants a blue check can just, you know, pay $8 for it. And the blue, and it became sort of a, a cultish thing in some circles, right? So, which is why, of course, people will pay for their blue check, right? Because they, <laughs> they want to remain verified. Um, Here's another good so, one. To all complainers, please continue complaining, but it will cost $8. <laughs> exactly. So I, I got a lot more thoughts, I guess, on this. Um, she was also saying that, you know, he's not going to be able to, you know, whatever, for a $40 billion acquisition and the debt that, that he has, AOC was saying that, you know, $8 a month isn't going to make a dent. Well, you know, perhaps not. Perhaps it's only, a, I saw some numbers, I forget what they were, 50 or $100 million a year revenue stream or something like that. But um, one, I don't think you're the, the one to be given the richest man in the world economics lessons and, and, how, to, and, how, to, and how to grow a business. Um, and, and two, now the left is talking about, uh, you know, other platforms, right? First, it was, you know, Trump got kicked off and went to, I forget now even what that one was called. Parlor, I think. No, there was another one. Truth Social. It was that called. one. Truth Social. I can't and, keep and then track there was Parler, which is the one Kanye bought when when he got kicked off. And now the left is saying, you know, all these Twitter folks that just got fired, right? Because he fired uh, a lot of the top executives and things. They're saying that you know they're going to go start another thing. And it's like, well, great, man. Like, have fun. Like, it's a free market. Go start up your own. Get in the uh, arena. Class. Exactly right. And the other thing is, I continue to say, and I've said this for a while, like. Um, well, you know, I, I kind of go both ways on it, but uh, it, Twitter's a company, man. And so Twitter's not the United States of America. You know, free speech is um, for citizens and, and for public and, and not necessarily for the, uh, you know, private companies. Though I do, and I, and I mentioned this before too, give credence to the argument that when so many people do join it, and this is why, you know, good luck starting your other platform. There's so many tens, hundreds of millions of people on Twitter Um that you kind of have an obligation to, to, to foster free speech and, and we'll see what he does with that. But back to the blue checks for one second, because um, there was a story I wanted to talk about on this podcast for a while. I never got around to mentioning it. There was a scandal on Instagram recently. Um, hundreds of millions of dollars were spent by people to get verified. So um, I mentioned how people seek, you know, the blue check, right? Yeah. Well, Instagram, Instagram has the blue check too. Um, and there became an underground uh, market for getting a blue check. Of course. And, and the way that these people were doing it is you would pay whoever, you know, this this network was um, to make you into a, an artist, either an artist, a music artist or, you know, a, 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 an artist. Okay. Um, and they would create accounts for you. You would get like a Spotify account. They would like, you know, this one doctor 
in the article, he's like a real doctor. He's a plastic surgeon, I think, in, in Canada. And he paid to get verified. And he was like DJ Dr. X or something. That was like the persona <laughs> they created for him, right? So they make a Spotify thing. They make like some fake tracks to make it look like he's an artist. And then they submit to Instagram. Hey, this is DJ Dr. X. Look at his Spotify profile. These are some of the tracks he's made. Like he should be verified as a musician. So he would get the check. Um, and then that was the end of DJ Dr. X. Then he was just Dr. Smith or whoever he was, but he was now verified <laughs> Dr. Smith, right? So it helped him in his, you know, business and professional life to attract clients or whatever it was. Well, this was done, you know, like I said, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars were paid. Thousands of people were using this system um, to become artists, to get verified. Um, and it was a, a total sham. And so I just thought that was a pretty good allegory, a pretty good story for, I mean, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you're verified, you know, you are who you are. And um, what matters is, I think, the merit of your work and the ideas you put out there, not necessarily if there's a, a blue check by your name. But sure enough, just like clicks in high school, um, <laughs> clicks in social media, they want their blue checks, man. You don't like and it. That's why they'll pay $8 a month. That's why they'll pay $8 a month, right? I mean, again, if you don't care, don't pay the $8 if you don't want to. But if you care, don't say you don't care and go pay the $8 a month, right? It's not that difficult. I think uh, I, I don't have the time or energy to pretend I'm an artist to get verified. I don't care enough. I mean, you know, I, we've had these conversations. Hey, Gerardo, you want to meet so and so? Nah, you go talk to him. I can care less. <laughs> but it'll be good for business. Well, that's all right. I don't think I like that person. <laughs> Let's skip that lunch. Um, anyhow, we we can't um, we 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 can't end without talking about uh, the attack on Nancy Pelosi's husband. Um, you know, we talked about her immigration system once again. <laughs> I'm kidding, y'all. But he was a Canadian immigrant. And if he was Mexican, I guarantee you the oh, headline sure. would be immigrant violently attacks one of the nation's top politicians' spouse. Um, that's not the real story that this gentleman was an immigrant or that he was from Canada. I love my Canadian friends and I, obviously my parents were immigrants. I have lots of admiration for hardworking, honest uh, immigrants. However, with that being said, I couldn't let that go and not bring up the fact that nobody's bringing that up because he's a Canadian immigrant, not a Hispanic not immigrant. That's just the way that that works. Here's the real story. It's, you know, first off, horrible attack. Horrible, horrible. He was tied up. He was beaten with a hammer. I mean, had to have surgery for uh, a skull fracture from what I understand, other injuries. And, you know, was in the house looking for Nancy Pelosi um, when Capitol Police finally got in there. Now, the part that's troubling to me is that once again, it appears Capitol Police um, were, were instructed, as, as they are, right, to watch over the house. And there was a surveillance system in place and the surveillance system was working, except nobody was paying attention. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, at some point, you know, I did this after January the 6th and I said, look, not all the cops there opened those gates and let people in. But even on January the 6th, I was saying there's no way all of that happens with only one or two shots being fired. Um, and, and, and you're running amok, um, looking for politicians to lynch. There's no way that happens without there being some coordination from law enforcement. And again, on this, this attack on Mr. Pelosi, I, I, I just, I, I have to believe Nick, that some people are rooting for this type of stuff and that some people in, 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 in within the Capitol police continue to be very, very supportive of these types of actions, which whether you're 
a leftist, a rightist, a libertarian like myself, whatever you are, you don't care about any of it. No room for that. Uh, no room for that kind of violent behavior. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I, let's see where this investigation ends up, right? Seems like a lot of coinciding to that police department. Yeah, I mean, I don't have uh, a lot to add there. I mean, I've seen the police response at you know peaceful protests, and I've seen the police response, um, you know, uh, of rubber bullets and, and police on horses. And so, to your point on January sixth, yeah, I mean, um, I've seen many other protests that were quelled much faster, and, and certainly not a lot to escalate to that fashion. So um, that's uh, one thing. And then you know, political violence is is par for the course in the in the fourth turning. So. Um, it happens on both sides, um, and I don't think that's going to to be the end of it. I haven't, you know, looked deeply into this gentleman's background, um, but it's something that we're going to have to deal with as there's um, excessive polarization in um, the U.S. politics. And it's it's funny, not funny. You mentioned, you know, the immigrant thing. I see, um, you know. The, I get the ads for Idaho Senate because I'm right here on the border of Washington. Ooh, those got to be sassy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And my wife, you know, I didn't actually think of it, but my wife was like, why is this guy talking about the borders? Like, is he talking about the Canadian border? That's the only one they have. Like, they, they border Canada, not Mexico. He's talking about, like, people coming in our borders and things. My family's um, coming to take your jobs and rape your woman and take your kids neck. We're going to indoctrinate well, you. You're going to have to speak Spanish and it's fucking over. <laughs> And I've seen some songs, um, you know, um, I follow John Rich, who is a country singer on, you know, yeah. Twitter, of course, because we had some business dealings with him a couple of years ago. And he's a pretty hard right leaning um, sort of guy, very vocal about whatever, you know, right. Sure. Whatever he's right, passionate right, about. Yeah. Right leading stuff. Sure. And he's got a new song out. Uh, it's called Progress. And uh, he wants you to stick your progress where the sun don't shine. And he talks about <laughs> He talks about, you know, you know, people coming basically to take our jobs, right? And the, the background of the video, uh, I have to put a link up. It's a horrible song. But, um, you know, protest, fires in the background, you know, all the things, right? And so essentially, this is like political music. I mean, it is like a fourth turning. Think about like, um, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young in the 60s or, or something like that. Like, you know, this Bob is, Dylan. Yeah, yeah, we got to I mean, Nina Simone. Who was still, still alive and touring, by the way. That dude's yeah. like 90 years old. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, sad, sad stuff and, and, and obviously impermissible and, and ill-advised on, on both sides. It should, it should never come to, to violence. I, I'm sure if like I went one, to one a of my main Rich, things is, I, I'm sure if I went to a John Rich bar, there would not be any undocumented immigrants providing any labor in any capacity. Necesita trabajo. <laughs> Anything else on your mind, Nick? What are we watching in the markets this week? What are you watching for? I wanted to tell you first about catalytic converter thefts. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, they get them up. Which we mentioned on this podcast before in relation to the price of palladium and platinum and rhodium, uh, which relates to another investment that we have. So then um, I told I, you if you subscribe to Nick's newsletter, he'd give you the name. And if you didn't make money on it in a year, we'll give you your money back for free. <laughs> I've long said that, you know, we don't have to be the person that's stealing catalytic converters or copper pipes from abandoned buildings. You can invest in the 
um, metals themselves or the companies that have leverage to the metals, either by producing them or exploring for and developing them. And so um, catalytic converter thefts continue to be a real thing. You know, we've seen the stories for years about, you know, thieves going into parking lots, church parking lots, knocking off multiple cars or going into multiple cars overnight in the same neighborhood and, and, and taking out the components of the catalytic converter because there's a few ounces of those PGMs, those platinum group metals or PGEs, platinum group elements um, that are in those things. And, and those things are expen expensive, you know, platinum and palladium trade like the gold and they're thousands <clears throat> or $2,000 an ounce. And rhodium is even more, something like $12,000 um, an ounce. And I just saw a story this week and wanted to mention it quickly that there was like a national ring of um, catalytic converter thefts and transportation and breakdown. Yeah. Um, I think the ring in California, can I remember the numbers correctly, supplied like $540 million worth of metals to this company in New Jersey, like a company who was then breaking down the, the material and selling it to metals refiners and um, recyclers. And then there was like a ring in Oklahoma that was much less because it's Oklahoma, but it was still like 40 50 millions of, <laughs> Sorry, <Oklahoma. laughs> millions of dollars, um, you know, where the, where the palladium goes sweeping down the plains. And so um, anyway, international ring for catalytic converter thefts because of the price of those metals inside. And I just wanted to bring that up because one, it's not going away Two, it's basically a, a, a see the signing see the shining sea network of criminals that's uh, doing this and taking the metals and recycling them and there's a legal way that you can profit from the the high price of pgms and that's by like i say owning assets that are um going to produce them yeah. did you just google the story or you, i you did know? 545 yeah. million um catalytic catalytic converter thefts are up tenfold since 2018, that's only four years, guys and gals, with more than 14,000 reported being swiped in 2020 alone. Um, yeah, no, look, um, you, everybody has to pick how they make their money, right? But there is a right way to do it. And you don't have to be stealing catalytic converters, obviously. You can de-risk the odds of you going to prison, folks, if you just do a bit of due diligence. And again... Subscribe to Nick's newsletter. He'll tell you a company that's got a tier one deposit. It's got 40 something million dollars in the bank. It's got a new discovery. It's got an all-star board of directors and team that leads it. Um, I'd be surprised if that stock isn't a fourfold or fivefold win for us in the next 18 to 24 months, Nick. And again, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I joked about uranium back during the bear market in December, January of last year. And I was telling everybody that I was picking away at uranium names because they were just too damn cheap and the fundamentals were too damn good. And how it was like watching paint dry for the last few years with companies like UEC that were trading at like 50 cents at one point, right? And, you know, reached the high $657. And my point to my subscribers was if a tenfold return or a 12-fold return is like watching paint dry, if, if, if that's all it takes, I'll watch paint dry every day. It's, it's, it's you know, there's, there's, it's, it's not that hard if you just have a, a reasonable enough timeline and the liquidity to let, you know, the, the fundamentals and, and, and then the market uh, meet. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's all I got. I'll be watching for Nevada Sunrise this week. I'll be watching uh, to see if the dollar continues its surge higher. 
I'll be watching central bankers and their double speak and see how much of that starts changing in rhetoric and tone. Whispers from the Bank of England that they will not continue to be as aggressive as they have been because they want to, you'll laugh at this, Nick, avoid a recession as if they aren't knee deep in one already and haven't been for quite some time. So no, it, it should be an interesting week. Anything else on your end of it? No, still watching earnings. Have uh, had a couple of companies on my watch list that didn't have great earnings that are now cheaper. Um, might deploy some capital into them. Want to see this jobs report that'll be out by the time um, this podcast comes out, and then uh, have a big monthly issue to write next week. So I have more macro things to talk about as I look more closely to to knock that out. Love it, y'all. Be nice to each other out there. Have a great November. Have a great week, Nick. You want to send us off? Um, see you. This was episode 193 of Investing in Bizarro World, folks. Be good out there. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.